We only crave unnatural foods in unnatural ways, right? We're not typically driving mm. across town to get fruit and vegetables. You know, it's like someone's like, oh, you got to try this bakery. You got to try this ice cream. Only crave unnatural foods in unnatural ways. And I think when we realize that, again, it's very empowering to say, I'm not going to, you know, kind of play that game. I don't want to partake in those types of foods in quotes, because as you said, they're really more substances. They're created. Um, and, you know, to your earlier point, like this is my life's work. Again, I've been at this for a long time. And there are certain foods for me that are still really, really hard to control myself with. Right. Give me Doritos, Oreos, ice cream. Like it, it is very hard. Right. It's no doubt very challenging. And that is not a characteristic flaw. It is not a personality defect. It's just these companies and these foods are engineered to be that way. Okay, first of all, the topic is food addiction, right? And I know you have some strong opinions on it. And I, I have to say myself over the years, I've gone back and forth and back and forth. So why don't you share your opinion of the topic food addiction? Yeah, well, first, let's start with the word addiction. I don't like that word when it comes to food, just because it's very disempowering, right? I am followed by any negative word. I am addicted. I am lazy. I am helpless is very disempowering. And the worst thing we can do is give our power away. I'd much rather you say, you know, I am challenged by, or it is very hard for me. But saying you're addicted, I feel like just almost absolves yourself of any power to improve, which you certainly can improve and you certainly can do. So I just don't like the word addiction when it comes to food. Yeah, and I think that's a really important differentiator. We want to make sure, for those of you tuning in, we are talking about addiction in terms of food, not drug, not alcohol. I mean, that's a whole different realm, right? Which is why this gets sticky, in my opinion. And I've been doing some research, and to date, there is no diagnosis, no official diagnosis of food addiction, right? And the scientists are all out there. There are a lot that are for it. There are a lot that are against it. And it's just still such a such a sticky topic um, and very, very complex. So let's dig into it a little bit more. You read a book quite a few years ago on the topic. Tell us more about that. Yeah, because on the flip side, you know, I read this book by Dr. David Kessler. He's the former head of the FDA. And it was called The End of Overeating. And basically the whole premise of the book is that food is engineered to be addicting, right? The combination of sugar, salt, and fat makes food hyper palatable. It makes us very hard to control ourselves, right? And, you know, this is my life's work. I eat, sleep, and breathe what I do. I've been at this for over 17 years now. And certain foods for me are no doubt feel addicting, right? They feel very hard to stop eating. And it is absolutely easier for me to abstain with certain foods than it is to moderate. So I think the point is though, we need to understand that these companies are engineering, literally engineering their food to be addicting. They're trying to make the food as hyper palatable as possible so that we can't stop eating it. Yeah, and I, I think that's really empowering. I mean, I don't know about you, but it kind of triggers off a little bit of rage in me that there's an entire industry out there trying to make a buck off of my human vulnerability. By the way, right, this is not about character flaws. This is something that each of us uniquely struggles with in different ways, right? Adam, you're an abstainer when it comes to a lot of stuff. 
I probably need to abstain from a few things, um, but I also can moderate some things. And I'm sure everybody's experience is similar and nobody's is exactly the same, right? But if you think about it, there are people out there playing upon our biology yeah, as humans. Absolutely. And it, it, for me, I'm like, I don't wanna be manipulated, right? So let me figure this out. And before I forget, I want to say one more thing. Like you have an issue with the word addiction when it comes to food. I have an I have an issue with the word food. Can we really call this stuff food, right? And in the research, right, they're really clear when they're talking about food addiction, they're actually talking about a specific sect of food, genre of food, and it is the highly processed kind, right? You mentioned a combination of high fat, salt, carbohydrate, right? So it's this stuff they're putting together in unnatural ways to really ramp up our chemical responses in the brains and make us want to have more and more of it. So can we even call it food? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. We only crave unnatural foods in unnatural ways, right? We're not typically driving across town to get fruit and vegetables. You know, it's like someone's like, oh, you got to try this bakery. You got to try this ice cream only crave unnatural foods in unnatural ways. And I think when we realize that, again, it's very empowering to say, I'm not gonna, you know, kind of play that game. I don't wanna partake in those types of foods, in quotes, because as you said, they're really more substances, they're created. Um, and, you know, to your earlier point, like, this is my life's work. Again, I've been at this for a long time. And there's certain foods for me that are still really, really hard to control myself with, right? Give me Doritos, Oreos, ice cream. Like, it, it is very hard, right? It's no doubt very challenging. And that is not a characteristic flaw. It is not a personality defect. It's just these companies and these foods are engineered to be that way. Yes, definitely. So now you started in and you started describing some of the very particular foods that challenge you, right? That may find you struggling with. So this would actually be probably our first step. Like if any of you out there really feel like, oh, I'm addicted to food and we see it all the time. We get a lot of clients that come in and they're like, I'm just addicted to food. Well, first of all, let's separate that, right? Because chances are it's not whole foods that you're addicted to, right? It's, it's this highly palatable stuff that's being developed solely to make us feel like we're hooked on it. Okay. So that first delineation is really important, but talk to us a little bit more, Adam, about that list you were making of those foods. Yeah. So I think it's really helpful to have a list of trigger foods. When I eat these foods, I feel insatiable, right? And a good question to ask yourself before eating any, you know, tempting food. And my definition of a temptation is anything that makes us think irrationally, right? We all have our long-term rational mind where our goals and dreams and desires are. And then we have our short-term irrational mind that only wants what it wants now, right? And when we're in the face of temptation, what are those foods that really kind of make us say, you know what, to hell with that. Let's focus on right now. I only want these cookies or Doritos or whatever it might be. So the first step, identify your trigger foods, right? When I eat these foods, I feel insatiable, right? For me, Oreos, Doritos, ice cream, like those types of foods, those types of snacks, whatever you want to call them, substances, it's really hard for me to control myself. Yeah, and you know, we kind of snicker at that substances, but there is there is a petition out there to get these foods labeled as addictive. Just just so we're clear. Like there are people trying to make this happen. They they see it they see it coming. So okay. First first and foremost, make your list. Write it down. Right? Like I think even to back up a step. We have to get really clear like if we feel 
that this is the case, that we are addicted to certain substances that might be considered food in some realms, right? Or we just really struggle with certain foods. We're going to have to make a commitment to do the work to break that, right? And it is possible. And we'll talk a little bit more about what to expect and how that is possible, but it is possible. So step number one, committing to do the work. And the first step of the work is identify your trigger foods and write that list down. So second step, Adam, we got to talk about the environment. Yes. So, you know, we do not get bonus points for using hero like willpower, right? It's so much easier to avoid the dragon than it is to slay it. And if you have these temptations around, these tempting foods around, these trigger foods around, you're just making it so much harder on yourself. Because every time you go in the kitchen, every time you go in the pantry, whether you realize it or not, you're asking yourself, do I want this? Do I not want this? Do I want this? Do I not want this? That internal conflict, that internal conversation is exhausting. And eventually you're just going to give in because you're tired of having that conversation and you're tired of saying no to yourself. So if possible, remove those foods from your house. Um, and if not, hey, Adam, I have kids. I get it. I have kids too. And, you know, there's certain foods or substances, whatever you want to call it, they like. Fine. But try to make it out of sight, right? Out of sight, out of mind. Don't keep it on the counter. Don't keep it so you, every time you walk in the pantry, you see these colorful big bags or whatever it might be. Make it out of sight, out of mind. Yes. And to that point, guys, even commercials, right? Have you ever noticed yourself like sitting there watching like a, like a Chili's commercial and they're like drowning things in queso and there's like French fries overflowing the plate and all of a sudden you think, wow, that looks really good right? Commercials, uh, scrolling through social media. I know myself, I like to scroll through some Pinterest and I like looking at food. Boy, oh boy, does it light things up. It actually does, right? It actually tells your brain, hey, get ready. We're going to feel good. Let's go find some food and feel real good. So it's not just having the food in your house. It's the things you're exposing yourself to. Yeah. It reminds me of one of my clients, like we were talking one day and she's like, Adam, I can't stop thinking about donuts. And, I, you know, after a little more prodding, it turns out she's reading about donuts. And one of the <laughs> easiest ways to control your thoughts is to control your input, right? And if you're reading or watching or scrolling about food, you can't expect not to think about those types of things, right? And yeah. so I think, again, control your input and, you know, your thoughts will certainly change as well. Absolutely. So I think another really important point to bring up is what to expect when you start doing this, right? Like that first time you don't stock your favorite snack food at home and, you know, the trigger is pulled, you want it and you don't have it. And I've been through this with a lot of clients. I, I think it's important to know what you you can expect to feel. Well, first of all, super itchy, super uncomfortable, right? But also there could be feelings of sadness or longing. I know it sounds it sounds crazy. And my clients would say to me, why am I feeling sad about this? Well, you're not scratching an itch. You've scratched a thousand times. It's like a breakup, really. You know, you can expect mood swings. You can expect low energy, lethargy. All of these things are fair game. And so if you know what to expect, it's really important to be prepared for that and have some alternatives. Adam, do you have any suggestions for alternatives? Yeah, I mean, I always say it's much easier to replace a habit than quit a habit. And having other things you can do in those moments is always helpful. So things like watching a funny video online or YouTube or on the or on TV, reading a fun article, calling a friend, texting a friend, uh, listening to a podcast, going for a walk, 
um, getting some movement in. Those are all things that actually will get you to the feeling you want. It's just they take a little more effort and they're different at first, right? But like with anything, mm -hmm. if you practice it enough, then it becomes a routine. And if you do the routine enough, it becomes a habit. And a lot of this is just right. habitual. We're used to eating a certain way. And I think one of the things to also keep in mind is often we're after the experience of eating something, not the thing itself, right? We're after the experience of it, not the thing itself. And one of my favorite things to hear from clients about is how when they start really eating slowly and savoring the flavor and they become more in tune with their body and they start really tasting the foods they're eating, sadly, our favorite childhood foods are no longer they don't taste the way they, they, they used to. They don't, we realize that, wow, this actually tastes very chemically. It's not all as delicious as I thought it would be. And that could just because our tastes are evolving. It's also because again, a lot of these companies or not again, but a lot of these companies, they sell, they change the recipes, they add more chemicals, they use less natural flavor. Like it just doesn't taste what we, when we actually taste it, it's like, is this even that good? And again, it's just the experience we're after, not the food itself. Yes, that is, and it's such a good point because if it's just the experience, which if we get right down to like the science of it, it's like a chemical experience in the brain, right? We're looking for that pleasure um, often or the reward. So finding other ways to do that is super important. You know, acknowledging that Twinkies don't taste as good as our five-year-old self that they tasted, right? And then being short, you guys have to practice. You have to practice the other behaviors and be willing for them to be, to feel clunky and to not hit the bell that first time. I think that's another really important point you made because it's not, it's not going to feel like a hole in one. It's not going to feel like, yeah, that totally took care of things for me. You're going to have to try it several times. And the good news is, it will change. Totally. I have seen it. I have seen clients successfully take themselves off of these foods that make them feel very, very challenged. And that's not to say it doesn't come around again. That's the other thing I think you have to be ready for. It comes around again. I'm sure, I'm sure you still eat Doritos and Oreos from time to time, right? Absolutely. And the goal is to not you know, this fit and happy, not fit and miserable, right? And there are times where I enjoy having Oreos with milk. There are times I enjoy having Doritos. But I try to be intentional about it. I try to be the one choosing those foods, not the other way around, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, and I think even the first step before all of this is, again, is there should be no shame. There should be no, you know, I should be able to do this or why can't I eat? Like, first, the first, I think the first thing we talked about is these companies are engineering these foods to be like this. So we can't expect to feel bad about that. We shouldn't feel bad about that, right? It's just understand. It, it, it just is, right? It is what it is. And we know this information now. Now let's arm ourselves to, you know, avoid these foods when possible, or I should say when we don't want them, right? When we, yes. we eat them when we choose to, not the other way around. Yeah, we're in charge. Yes. Not, you know, not big food industry. And I, it is such a good point you made about the shame piece because a lot of feelings come up when we're doing these things that we feel like we're completely out of control, right? But that's, like you said, it is what it is. It's how... It's how it's being created to make us feel. So take it back, right? Yeah. Take it back and take some of these steps we've talked about. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, it is a sticky subject and it is constantly changing. It's completely complex. Uh, you know, they're talking about trying to get a diagnosis of this. They're talking about the crossover with eating disorders and addictions. It's super complex, guys. But I don't think we're powerless. 
in this regard. And there's a lot of ways to get support for it. There's a lot of ways you can tackle it. And uh, we, we'd love to hear from you. You know, if you're out there struggling with this, send us an email. Let us know what's going on, what's helped, you know, and the ways that you're overcoming it. Adam, anything else? Yeah, I mean, talk with your coach about it. And, you know, I think if you follow the things we outlined in this video, you're definitely going to be, um, you know, ahead of the game here, ahead of the curve in terms of avoiding these foods or at least having more control with these foods. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm excited to hear from you guys as always. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Take good care.